Hello and welcome to the Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including reviews, industry news, and everything in between. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Edmond, and I'm joined as always by Shane Reeves. We're here today enjoying a beautiful day, just three guys enjoying cigars, and we're doing something unique today. We're all going to smoke a cigar that we've never smoked before. We each gave the other a different cigar to give a shot to. Um, Joining us today is Bo Ladner. Glad to be here. The return trip. I've been called worse. <laughs> we always want to hear feedback about our guests, so I'm excited to hear the feedback we get about Bo, because Bo is kind of a character. A little bit larger than life. Yeah, I don't mean that in a bad way. You know I'm nothing but love for you, but you you have a personality that stands out in the crowd. No, oh, thank you, man. I'm warming up from the hot air coming over from this side. <laughs> So, At least he's not blowing it up your backside. <laughs> hey, the night is young. We're only two shots in. So the cigar I gave Trey to smoke today, it's a Florida Sun Grown by Drew Estate. I went to the actual Florida Sun Grown barn smoker last April. It was the first one they had. And this is the first cigar to be produced in the United States in Florida in over a hundred years we were some to smoke the first batch of those the guy that owns corona cigars down there have you ever been to corona bow i have and just a great cigar lounge yeah my big complaint we've talked about it before they they don't have a humidor the whole shop is kind of the humidor see i kind of like that personally i mean i'm like meatloaf i I, i'd I'd sleep and travel in 85 percent humidity if i had the option well I just I feel like sometimes the cigars contaminate one another, and that may be all in my mind. Well, I, I, I'll give you that. I like the feel of it. I like being in there, but it, I like when you walk into a humidor that the cigars age based on the humidification and the other cigars in the humidor. You don't want everyone else in there sweating to get all over everything you're going to smoke. So Trey's going to be smoking Florida Sun Grown. It'll be your first one, and it's one of my favorite cigars. I really enjoy it. They're kind of hard to get. But I really enjoyed it. If you're ever down in Corona in Orlando, pick up some. Drew Estates makes them, but the tobacco is produced right there in Florida, in Orlando. It's one of the few cigars I've ever tried to cut that was too big for my cutter as well. What is this, a uh, 60? It is a 60 ring gauge. It is a little bit bigger. They make them um, torpedo and smaller. But that happens to be the box of them I bought that night. Now, what did you give Bo, Trey? So he is getting a Smoking Monk, which was by Drew Estate. We're, we're being a little Drew Estate heavy on the podcast this far, but uh, basically the idea is that a cold brew and a cigar is a perfect evening. So why not take that idea and actually infuse and, and, and cultivate the flavors of the cigar specifically to a type of beer that you're going to be drinking to enjoy it with? Uh, Bo is smoking the imperial stout which knowing what a guinness fan he is i figured that would probably fit his palate pretty well um he made uh drew state made about five different varieties i think but one of the things that was kind of unique is that they're all six and a half by 54 it's just a pure toro and uh that way the only difference that you're going to get across the line is the difference different flavors and brews that they're intended to be with now Shane has got one of my favorites. The it's a Kentucky Chiroot. Um, not everyone loves these. Not everyone even knows about them. But Shane did mention that he'd never had one before. I pretty much always have a couple in the humidor, like any good cowboy should. So I thought I'd give him one to try. Just a little bit of backstory. Chiroot tobacco generally is too rough to use 
uh, make a traditional cigar. In fact, if you'll notice the shape of that one is kind of rough because they can't be rolled the same way that most cigar leaves can be rolled. It's uh, one of the. It was one of the favorites of Mark Twain, and uh, it's it's really rough around the edges, but there's a lot of great flavor in it if you can get through it and get to it. How consistent are they because of the? The difference in each cigar kind of being its own unique shape. How how um, consistent are is the flavor with them? Uh, you mean cigar to cigar or within the cigar itself? Cigar to cigar. Yeah, because in the cigar itself, they're not very complex. They're usually pretty straightforward and pretty consistent throughout, which is one of the things I like because you know what to expect. But uh, cigar to cigar, you will get some variation. That's one of the other nice things about them is that uh, in a box of 20 or 50 or 100 cheroots, you might have 20 or 50 or 100 different flavors. Well, and... I love the tactile sensation of holding this cigar. I feel feel like, like Clint Eastwood, don't you? I do. I really feel a little bit like Clint Eastwood, <laughs> like I should wear a poncho, be in a bad spaghetti western. So I really feel that way. And that is one of the things we're going to talk about today is cigars in movies. So you're going to chew on that one a little bit before you light it up? or <laughs> Actually, a quick backstory about, uh, since we're on the subject of Clint Eastwood and Chiroots, when uh, he went over to Italy to start filming the uh, the Man With No Name trilogy, he said that uh, he knew that his character was supposed to have a grimace throughout the series. So he doesn't smoke. He's never smoked. Lifelong non-smoker. But he went to a shop and asked them for the toughest, roughest, nastiest cigar they have. And they gave him some cheroots. So throughout all those spaghetti westerns that Clint Eastwood was in, he was puffing on one of those things just to give him that rough, what are you looking at look. I and it's probably so. something to do with the flavor, too. He was just a little, <laughs> a little honest. Yeah, just for him anyway. I just tried to light it, and it put my lighter out. <laughs> Was this thing rolled on the back of a motorcycle going 80 miles an hour down the interstate? Yeah, I actually put that one together on the way here. You're welcome. They, Mom always said something you make yourself has more meaning. Well, thank you, Boa. And we've talked about how much fun it is to give other people cigars. And it doesn't suit everybody's palate, but it's always fun to try new things. And after the break... We're definitely going to all give our unvarnished opinion on the cigars we're smoking. I did finally get this one to burn. There you go. Um, I, is there asbestos in this? <laughs> <laughs> we said we were waiting until after the break to give an unvarnished opinion, Shane. So, as we do it, let's talk a little bit about cigars in movies. I just I love movies. I'm a cinema person. I love going to the movie theater. I love sitting on my back porch smoking cigars, watching movies. So... And it's really interesting, the different variety of characters. And it seems like every genre of movie is going to have someone smoking a cigar in its own particular method. Yeah, there's always a cliche or a trope. And it's funny, too, because oftentimes it holds true to cigar culture. Oftentimes the person smoking the cigar is the kind of person that you would actually smoke a cigar with. In the movie. Yeah, so is that life imitating art, or is it the other way around? you got to wonder. It's probably a little bit of both. <laughs> so... Let's start with action movies. It's coming up on summer. Yeah. We're still a couple of months away, but summer's going to come. It feels come. like summer anyway. <laughs> yeah, it does. It feels nice and warm out here. It's a Michigan summer, man. It's 60. What are you guys talking about? <laughs> <laughs> but there's always a big action movie coming out during that time, and I always find it an action movie. It's always the evil genius holding a good cigar. Well, you know, it's uh, traditionally it was kind of that, but then uh, with... Stallone and Schwarzenegger started to kind of dominate uh, big blo uh, blockbuster action movies in the 80s. 
they both became big cigar smokers. And in fact, you'll see the evil genius smoking them, but you'll also see the hero when he's got a break or after he's accomplished it. It's interesting that the evil genius might smoke it throughout, but the hero doesn't do it until he's reached a place of rest. Like in the last Expendables movie, uh, Schwarzenegger, at the end of it, him and Stallone sit on a tank and light one up. Well, even like in the original Independence Day with Jeff Goldblum and Will Smith, like yep. the, the cigar was actually a character in that movie because right. being an Air Force pilot, it was always, this is for the way home. This is when, you know, this the whole idea of saving a cigar and then, you know... He waits until after he shoots the alien ship down to light it up. And which, ironically, he's still sitting in the artificial environment of the, <laughs> the spaceship <laughs> while he's... So I'm not sure how well that would light or light them up in doing so. But. Right. Well, that scene in The Expendables, I remember they were in a cave and it was like 200 people in a cave the, the size of a back porch. And Stallone gets on top of the tank and he lights up a Cohiba. And I remember thinking, okay, I would do the exact same thing, but... You'd think he'd want but to conserve a, a little bit of oxygen, yeah. <laughs> you would think one of the orphans that he just rescued, hey, <laughs> run out of air in here. <laughs> you really think that's a good use? Now, and it, it's funny you bring that up because, so with with the the action movie, unfortunately, there's there sometimes when they just get it wrong, and that's not to say it happens every time, but I, but when when i start thinking about this there's one movie in particular that really comes to mind that i just it took me out of the movie because of the way the cigar was was placed in it it was uh dark knight rises uh, yeah it was the i think it was the third one uh when they're trying to get the mayor to leave the mayor's office because it's dangerous and and all of this stuff and he's sitting there the mayor of gotham city is sitting there with he's got a nice cohiba bahike in his hand and he's got a cigar cutter in his hand and he never lights it. He never cuts it. Never. He's just sitting there, and it's one of these like cheap plastic five dollar cutters you can get at any cigar shop. And it, you can tell that they they wanted this guy to be larger than life. He wanted to be that cigar smoking so, character. Somebody at the end was like, "Hey, give him a cigar." And didn't put much thought into it. Exactly. Either that, or the producer was like, "Yeah, but all the smoking bands and all the people are like we can't have smoking in our <laughs> movie, so let's just have him hold it." Well, it's funny. It's funny you mentioned about the smoking bands because uh, like. I- the, the movie 42 was filmed in Chattanooga when I was working there, and it was funny because uh, Harrison Ford's character in that movie was supposed to smoke cigars, but you're not allowed to smoke in that, uh, in that baseball stadium anymore. All the actors smoke. It's, it's a period piece. Uh, so everybody's you know, dressed like uh, somebody would be dressed in the 1940s, but they all have to go outside the stadium to smoke and then come in and hold a half-lit cigarette <laughs> or half a cigar with an ash on it for four or five hours at a time while they're shooting because they can't actually puff on it during the movie. Wouldn't you have loved to be the production assistant that was required that, like, had to hold a cigar in every finger and just go out and puff <laughs> on them to keep them all going? <laughs> well, and has anyone ever finished a cigar in an action movie? You know, I, it's funny you mention that. That's one of my biggest pet peeves is, is uh, especially uh, there was that movie that came out a couple years ago. I think it was called American Hustle with Christian Bale. Yeah. He lights 40 cigars in that movie and you never once see him take more than two puffs and every time you see it's almost like it can even be a 15 minute scene but they're always on the very first puff on the very first light you never get to see one halfway through or three quarters through or it doesn't look like they actually sat and smoked it it's the everlasting gobstopper of cigars (laughs) (laughs) he's smoking the same cigar for three days and he hasn't had to ash (laughs) and it's always fun to me that it seems like in movies the bad guys smoke cigars and sometimes the good guys but in a TV series, it's always the mastermind. I always think of the A-Team when I think of cigars in TV series. Right. I love it when a plan comes together and you sit and you spoke one at the end. Well, and I want to know what kind of cigar it was that Dirk Benedict carried 
that he always gave to Hannibal to George Papard because he could be getting beat up by ten guys <laughs> for thirty minutes and underwater. Handy, yeah, <laughs> and handy a cigar with a perfect wrapper on it, and, and he always got the perfect light. Well, or you got Gomez Adams who just pull a lit one out of his pocket and puff on it. And I, I can't tell you how many shirts I ruined trying to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Worst Halloween costume idea ever. Well, that's that's one of the things that I miss about. Uh, the fact that you can't find strike anywhere matches anymore, right? Because you know, I wa- I grew up watching Mash with my grandfather, and you know that was like, it was mostly cheroots and cheap stuff that the troops were getting at that time. It was based in the Korean War, and so they'd always strike the match on the desk or on their boot, or you know there yeah, was. I can't, I can't tell you how much sulfur I rubbed off on my chin when I was eighteen because I didn't realize that strike anywhere matches weren't a thing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it looks so easy when John Wayne does it. There should be newsletters for this sort of thing. <laughs> right. The Cigar Cast newsletter. Things you can't find anymore. Strike Anywhere matches, bulletproof cigars, things that you've seen in cinema. So other than uh, so other than action movies, uh, what other genres are cigars typical in, you think? All right, so my personal favorite is the Bad Monster movie. I love, if you've got a rubber lizard chasing a G.I. Joe, I'm there. <laughs> that always... Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. And our Sharktopus, Terracuda, all of these great ones. My favorite one recently, I think it was Mermantula. Half merman, half tarantula. Half yeah. yeah, Mermantula versus Whalewolf. It was a, it was a sea going. So who were the, so the cigar smoking people in this movie it's got to be the grizzled old boat captain though right, right. <laughs> yeah he's usually chewing on one he don't actually keep one lit he just sets and chews on it for some reason or well, you know i tried to smoke one ride the jet ski once and it's hard to do anything but chew on them <laughs> that's that's true that they get so wet just from the spray yeah well i thought it'd be cool to smoke a cigar while i was on the jet ski i didn't realize i was going to be getting a mouthful of salt water the whole time that was the saltiest lfd i've ever smoked <laughs> well and usually in the monster movie there's always a guy, there's always a tactical team. You know, when the um, the Terracuda <laughs> escapes escapes and is at large eating the beachgoers, there's always a tactical team they send out. And the first thing they do is arrest a drifter with a bad cigar. And then the Terracuda kills all of them. And, by the way, Terracuda, half pterodactyl, half barracuda. <laughs> For those of you listening at home. Yes. I thought it was half barracuda, half Tara Reed. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a Wouldn't lot more that be more half enjoyable. Stevie Nicks, half Tara Reed? <laughs> or is that Hart? <laughs> that was Hart. It was Hart, okay. But that guy always seems to survive. You notice everybody else yeah. gets sliced to ribbons, and not only does he survive, he smokes a cigar while wearing handcuffs during the entire movie. I always thought that'd be my character in a movie. Well, that's how I described you in our first podcast. That's how I always feel like when I see Bo. Well, it's, it's funny. I actually know that guy. There is a uh, cigar shop owner in the greater Atlanta area. There's 94 of those, so I'm not giving any names away. And uh, at one point about 10 years ago or so, actually uh, drove his car through the store window of the neighboring uh, business to his cigar shop <laughs> and he stumbles out of the car still has a cigar lit between his teeth never even dropped it <laughs> so all of us have been forced to watch a drama movie at some point in our life something of high drama not my favorite genre of movies but it always it has its time and place yeah it always seems like grandpa has a cigar have you ever noticed that and he usually has it's usually a 
I don't know, kind of a swisher suite or something like that. Yeah, it's like an antiquated position. It's it's uh, that old person that gives a little bit of advice that kind of pushes the protagonist the way that they need to go. Well, it's almost the Gomez Adams things, right? Like, granted, that was a comedy, but it's that type of character, right? It's yeah, the just, patriarch. Just grown it's up. The, the, yeah. Well, and comedy movies have a great history of cigars. Um, Marx Brothers, famously. Oh, yes. Duck Soup. Mark, um, Groucho Marx, my favorite quote in life. I don't want to be part of any club that would have me as a member. Yeah. <laughs> but well, the club. Yeah. I was going to yeah, George Burns actually started smoking cigars in his comedy set because he said he just needed something to do. And he ended up smoking 10 a day. <laughs> what do I do with my hands? <laughs> and, okay, and I have a question. Was it because George Burns was small of stature, or did he always pick a cigar that looked like a baseball bat? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, well, he smoked a lot of, he smoked White Owls, and he smoked a lot of Double Coronas. And, yeah, he always had the big ones because he, he rarely actually smoked them. He mostly just kind of held them. If you ever, if you ever watch the stand-up, he, he gets the cheap ones that'll stay lit and burn for an hour without puffing on them. So it was more of a, it was more of a prompt than anything, but uh, one of my favorite stories about him was he was a member of a country club that decided to go non-smoking, and he sold he told him I've been a member of this club for seventy years this is not right you need to give me an exemption, so they ended up going non-smoking for anyone under the age of ninety, <laughs> <laughs> and that's just blasphemy in general anyway. A private club should never be non-smoking. Well, uh, especially outside. But uh, he, uh, yeah, he also had one where he said, uh, "I had a doctor one time that told me if I didn't quit smoking and drinking, I was going to die an early death." And I remember telling that story at his funeral. <laughs> <laughs> well, and in coming more modern for people who've never heard of George Burns and Groucho Marx, if you haven't, you've led a sheltered life. Let's face it, but. Modern cinema always seems like the guy that owns the club that's really slimy has it's a cigar. Al- it's almost like you have to be the bad guy and not even just the villain. And we're not talking about like the Bond villain who's still cool, you know, there's still somebody that you can respect. It's always like the guy that you just hate that nobody likes. It's almost like they're trying to vilify it sometimes. Yeah, it's almost as if it's his, it's his, his version of Blofeld's cat, right? It's just <laughs> the cigar becomes the... And it's it's uh, it's the embodiment of everything that's wrong with him and society. Exactly, Bo. You're treading on dangerous territory. The cigar cast is only forty five minutes or so. Please don't start tar- Trey talking about Bond movies. <laughs> I'm trying to be really good. <laughs> I'm just saying. I just uh, yeah. But you uh, but you also do have uh, you've got some where they kind of bring it into the fray. Like I said, it's mostly in the action movies though. It's mostly like the almost cartoonish type hero figures that are smoking, like uh, the A Team remake. Uh, but he's still smoking cigars and that. But that's one of those larger than life. Nobody's gonna jump off a Humvee onto a tank while both of them are falling out of a C one thirty anymore, right? Well, the the budgets have gone down. Let's face it, <laughs> quality of cigar has gone down with the budget of action movies. And all uh, the day's gonna come when we're gonna have CGI cigars. And when that day comes, I'm I'm quitting. I'm out. And movies that, or cigars. Out of movies. I'll I'll never be out of cigars. Now, of course, something that, speaking of the modern era, something that has come up is the romantic comedy. I'm not familiar with that term. Yeah. I know what those words mean, apart, not together. Well, and I'm just going to say it. I don't think anybody that smokes cigars has ever actually set through a romantic comedy. What are you talking about? We've all been married. (laughs) <laughs> right <laughs> I'm very blessed my wife doesn't care for them either <laughs> so I get to stay away from that <laughs> but 
one of my other favorite genres is the horror movie. Now I do distinguish between monster movies and horror movies. Right. Well, it's 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 kitschy versus scary. Yeah. Yeah, and the horror movie, it's usually the father of the first guy killed. Right. Oh, when he gets the news sitting in his den and he's sitting there, you know, enjoying his cigar and he doesn't know where his 13-year-old kid is on a Saturday night just because... <laughs> right. Because that's not anymore. cool in the 80s. Apparently. He lights his cigar. Right. We never should have killed that gardener. <laughs> <laughs> well, and uh, you said horror, so I don't know if uh, you're including, like, film noir and suspense because some of my favorite... Cigar smoking scenes like Cape Fear, for instance, um, both the, the original with Robert Mitchum and the remake with uh, Robert De Niro, the cigar was featured prominently. Like in Cape Fear, he's another one of those larger than life villains that's just an absolute terrible person, but it's just so cool, you're almost rooting for him. Uh, you know, in the first one, he walks into the courthouse with this big long cigar, just doesn't care. Like walks past the no smoking sign, and nobody even bothers to stop him. And then you remake, you got Robert De Niro sitting there in the movie theater just puffing away. Following the guy through the alleys, and they can, he could smell the cigar smoke and know that his, do, his doom is imminent. I have nothing to add to that. <laughs> <laughs> you, you just went down a rabbit hole that neither one of us could follow you through. <laughs> you, congratulations, you have outdistanced my knowledge on horror movies. <laughs> but I think I can come back on sci fi movies. Oh, yeah. And it's always some guy smoking in a spaceship. Right, and we and we talked about that with Independence Day, but should you smoke in a spaceship? I mean, if you knew you were going down, why not? I want to see the movie where somebody's smoking a cigar in a submarine. <laughs> well, see, my grandpa was actually on a submarine, and they, what I always thought was fascinating—you were allowed to smoke cigarettes on the submarines. I don't not know cigars. Not cigars. I don't <laughs> so know they, where the cigarette were, smoke went. <laughs> they were bars ahead of their time. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that does kind of lead us to a different genre and all the international movie, the old mm-hmm. World War II, where they're all taking off out of Paris or taking off out of England, and everybody's smoking. Right. Are we just more uptight in America about cigars? Or? Well, <laughs> well, they talk about the London fog. I'm convinced it was just all the smoke. <laughs> <laughs> And, of course, the most classic representation of cigars and movies has to be the Western. Yeah, like I said, that was, uh, that was basically what not, not taught me to smoke, but taught me how to do it properly if I wanted to do it. Because you've got the good guys who they wait until they've saved the town, they got the girl, they took out the bad guy, and then they, it's like they sit down and celebrate with a cigar. But then you've got the bad guy on the other side of that who's, like, dropping cigar ash on the damsel that he's tying to the <laughs> railroad tracks <laughs> just to add insult to injury. Yeah, and it's always, it always seems like it's, uh, it's not everybody. It seems like a lot of people in the Westerns will, will have cigarettes or pipes, but it's usually either the old sage that gives the advice that, or that sits back and waits for what he knows is about to happen who's almost like he's smoking a cigar waiting for the end result that's inevitably coming, or... It's the good guy and the bad guy. It's almost like it tells you who the characters are. The, the dueling Vitolas. <laughs> well, and I will say one of my favorite obscure Western actors, Lee Van Cleef, yeah. he always smoked the long church warden pipe. You always seen him with that church warden and packing it, and it was such a process, and like, I'm going to stop to shoot you, but first... I've got I've got to shake the right. hand. For those of you that don't know, that was the bad character and the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's, that's one of those things that's always, uh, when it comes to, you, you talk about uh, Westerns, they always kept them in their saddlebags, their pipes, their tobacco, their cigars, everything was always, like, nowadays you've got everyone, these, these 
big rubber humidor, travel humidors to protect the nature of the delicate cigars. And yeah, they, I feel like a wuss, don't you? <laughs> yeah, a little bit because the you know the pipes come with their own cases so that they don't get broken. And then it's like, why don't you just throw it in your saddlebag? Just just whatever happens, happens. Yeah. <laughs> well, love talking about movies. Could sit here and do it all day, but we do need to take a quick break. Going to take a break and enjoy. I use the term loosely. These cigars. That... <laughs> That's foreshadowing right there. Should my lips be burning? <laughs> Should that be a part of this? Shane, you'll finally put some hair on your chest, man. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I don't know. But when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about some problems with cigars and how to address them. And we're also going to give our opinion for my first ever time smoking those cigars. We're going 90 miles an hour in a 67 Coupe The Cigar Cast presents Cigar Etiquette Tip of the Week. This is Cousin Bo with your tip on lighter etiquette. When you grab a lighter to use it for the first time, one that you borrow or one that you get at a shop, don't open it and just click it really quick. Open it, click it really slow. Give it a couple of seconds for the gas to come out before you strike it to light it. If it doesn't work right away, do it again. Click it slow, click it slow, click it slow, and then tell the guy behind the counter that you're having troubles. Don't just click, 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 throw it on the ground and say that it's not working. Because did you ever wonder why it wasn't working in the first place? Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. I'm one of your hosts, Shane Reeves, here again with Trey Deadman. Welcome Bo back, Ladner. everybody. Bo Ladner here with us. Thank you. And we all started this cigar cast with something different. We always start the cigar cast by lighting up a cigar. Usually it's one of our favorites. Usually it's something we've smoked before and we kind of know to, what to expect. Today we tried something different. So, Trey, I gave you a Florida Sun Grown. I want to hear your unvarnished opinion. So, I've got to say, I'm not really a 60 ring gauge guy. I, I can smoke a 60. In fact, I did quite a bit a few years ago and kind of got away from it. So... It's a little bit bigger than I'm used to, <clears throat> but I have, <laughs> is it phrasing? Is that what you're worried about here? <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help it. <laughs> uh, the thing is, you know, I, the draw, the construction is really, really good on it. Flavor's not really what I'm used to. It's a, it's actually a really good cigar. It's better than I was expecting, but I'm not getting that I, as someone who's, more accustomed to a full-bodied, full-flavored smoke. I'm not getting a whole lot of nuance out of it. I'm more getting—this is my third cigar of the day, so maybe that's part of my problem. But, you know, there's just—I'm uh, not getting a lot of, of the complexity, but the flavor I am getting is uh, is a perfect sort of Saturday morning coffee smoke, which is something that I would, would have this again in that scenario. Well, and I think I am biased toward that cigar, and I think this happens in our cigar journey as we go through life. When I smoked that cigar, my wife and I caught a wild hair. We drove 12 hours to Orlando that Friday, went to the barn smoker that Saturday, and drove 12 hours home that Sunday um, just because we wanted to be among the first to smoke that Florida sun-grown tobacco. So I'm probably a little biased because I have the experience that goes with that cigar. And as I understand it, this particular cigar you've had sitting for almost a year now. And 
I, you really can tell that the cigar has come has has aged well. The blend you can tell has has kind of married a little bit. Like I said, it's it's I'm I'm enjoying it thoroughly. It's just I was with with my history of being such a big fan of sun groans, I was expecting a little bit more in the pepper department. But that being said, I'm I'm definitely not disappointed one little bit. Being as unvaried as it is, I've smoked that one too. I do think it's very user friendly. I feel like that's oh, one of those absolutely. ones we talk about something you could give somebody new that's not that well versed or that able to pick up on nuances. I feel like that one's very approachable. So, and then you gave Bo a smoking I, malt? Yes, I did actually. And yeah. that's the Imperial Stout variety. Yeah, this one's a Maduro wrapper from Drew Estate. I got to say, uh, this one is the whole concept of pairing cigars with beer is very different than pairing it with whiskey. Um, so without getting too much into that, I got to say this one almost tastes like an imperial stout. This is absolutely delicious. <laughs> I don't even need to drink while I'm smoking it. I mean, I could, but it's uh, this one's really good. So I appreciate this one. I would definitely recommend this, and I would definitely smoke this again. The um, smoking monks, I've not smoked a lot of them because I'm not a big beer fan. But just hearing you talk talk about it makes me want to pick one up. Well, it's one of those things, too, that uh, because I've been such a big fan of craft beer and I've had so many different kinds, we've gone on beer pilgrimages before, um, to have something that's blended to try to complement that or to try to hail that or taste like that, that may be part of the reason why I like it so much because it's got some of the same flavors and some of the same notes, uh, that little bit of cream, that little bit of vanilla that you get with a good imperial stout that's not too overbearing, it kind of reminds me of some of the places I've been and had it. So it's almost like a sensory recall. And the thing that I like about it is the fact that it tastes flavored without tasting flavored, if that makes right. sense. You know, it's, it's not, not like, like they sprayed something on it. Exactly. <laughs> but you can definitely taste the flavor profile they were going for, and it's kind of outside the realm of a traditional cigar, but it's still done so well that it's enjoyable. Right, and somebody that knows the type of beer that they're trying to pair them with would appreciate it. And somebody that doesn't smoke that often may even smoke it and go, wow, that tastes kind of like an Imperial Stout. Yeah. Now, uh, Shane, I got to hear this. What do you think about the Chirrut, the uh, the Clint Eastwood special, the ride in the range, saddlebag smoke? I've got to say, I'm really grateful that you gave it to me. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's definitely been an experience. I'm not sure if I'll have to shave my back or my tongue or what after I'm done smoking this cigar. (laughs) Um, The construction is really, really rough, which I love. I like just from the sense of holding the cigar and feeling the cigar in my hand. Really, really rough. Um, The flavor is a little bit flat it's not as complex but i think you said that's kind of um that's 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 mostly kind of what the tobacco is going for i mean you're talking about a singular type of tobacco that's rolled in the cigar you're not talking about a blend like you usually get i it's a tough cigar i will say that and i don't usually use that description but i think you could throw this in the floorboard of your truck and it could roll around for three days and you could still pick it up and light it with no trouble whatsoever <laughs> i think that's where he picked it up from actually <laughs> well see the reason i love those chair is because like me they're a product of a bygone era it is something you could throw in the saddlebag and take halfway across the wild west and indians are shooting arrows at you and ex-wives are chasing you you fall into the rio grande you swim three miles you fall over a cliff you get out you pull it out you light it like nothing happened that's a great lighter. 
<laughs> I just want a lighter that's that hardy. Forget the cigar. <laughs> I just want a lighter that's that hardy. But I will say I am enjoying it. I do enjoy it. Um, it is burning even, which it has a good draw, and it burns even. And that's very important to me. And that's something we want to talk about today because we've all had to address problems of our cigars. And I'd like us to kind of move, and let's talk about what to do when you have a problematic cigar. Um, first, number one thing for me with cigar is the draw. Absolutely. Yeah. And a tough draw, a tight draw, where I'm really having to pull on it hard. Um, how do you address that? So there's a couple of different things that you can do, uh, th- at least that I've done in the past, which is number one is is I, I usually, when I've got that problem, I roll the cigar around in my fingers and, and look for a plug. Because usually if you put a little bit of pressure and roll it around, you can find where the stem got locked up or whatnot. Um then there are other times where it's just rolled too tight in general. Uh, that's where poker comes really in handy, I think. And I carry one of those in my kit, my kit that goes everywhere with me. I do have a poker. Now, my poker is only its only about four inches long, so getting it through both ends. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say it. What are you guys looking at me for? <laughs> That came out entirely hey, hey, four wrong. inches is perfectly adequate for anything you're going to need it for. So as I poke the cigar, and sometimes I do encounter that, and I can loosen that knot up and be able to actually enjoy the cigar to the end. Although I've found that a poker doesn't always get the job done. Sometimes there's sometimes really you'll no a, remedy. Sometimes you'll have a stem in there. I mean, it, I know this. it sounds weird. It's like pulling a thread on a sweater. There have been times where I just kind of had to dig in and actually physically pull the stem out. Um, because a lot of them are rolled in a Cuban sandwich style where they've got some sa- stems that'll get caught in there. And once you pull that out, it smokes fine. But that's one of those things that you just kind of have to do it until you get used to it and can figure it out and be able to identify it. Probably my second pet peeve with a cigar is an uneven burn. When the burn comes and one side of it seems to be burning down much faster than the other, usually the result of haven't been rolled in the humidor enough, or improper storage, I think, is what makes an uneven burn. Well, and a lot of the older guys that, uh, that I've seen smoke, they used to, humidification wasn't quite what it is today. So you might have seen this, too, where they'll take it and basically lick the entire cigar or put yeah. the whole thing in their mouth and pull it off to try to keep it wet, to try to keep it from burning uneven. And this is actually a problem I run into quite a bit because of how often I smoke in my car, which I'm sure, Bo, you probably experience this as well. And it's because the wind coming in through the window, especially when it's colder out and you can't just let the windows down all the way, is that it creates a, a, a draw on that cigar. And the key there is continuing to rotate it. And contrary to popular belief, it's actually to slow down. Typically, if I'm not rotating the cigar or if I'm smoking too fast, uh, that's what's going to really exacerbate that problem. Good news there is that if you've got a nice little single torch lighter that you kind of keep in reserve, you can just do a nice little, like, precise little touch-up on the non-burning side and usually correct it as long as you're also s- slowing down your smoking speed and give it, giving the whole cigar time to, to even out. Yeah, like you said, that's probably the best remedy for it is just to, you, you've got, you, sometimes you may even just have to kind of let it go out and then relight it and start again because that part's got to catch up, but... 
The biggest problem that I see is people smoke too quick and it creates an uneven burn. You ever run into that? I, I have, and, and I think it was I think it was Zeno Davidoff that talked about, you know, in his dissertation on cigar etiquette about one puff a minute as kind of being the appropriate uh, frequency for smoking your cigar. And I think that in a cigar shop or in this kind of environment, that might be a little slow and... And I'm pretty anal retentive, but that's even a little much for me. But in a car situation or in in a windy situation, like on a beach or whatnot, I think slowing down to about one puff a minute uh, definitely helps that. Well, and a trick I've always used, if you get an uneven burn, I'll wet my finger and I'll put it toward the deep side. I'll wet right there where the flame is. And if your finger's wet, you're not going to burn it. I'll wet right there where the cherry is where it's down too low so that it comes back to burning even. And that always seems to fix it. Now, the next term we're going to talk about... (laughs) Y'all will have to excuse us. I'm podcasting with 12-year-olds today. No, 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 no. Wet your finger. That solves all the problems. Very good advice. So Anyway, the next thing is stovepiping, which is essentially with stovepiping, what you're talking about is when, as you draw on the cigar, the wrapper doesn't catch, but the rest of the cigar, the center of the cigar, just basically smokes through. Yeah, I I think we talked about this earlier, too. It's also kind of known as tunneling when it looks like it's just it's going through the middle and the outside's not going on. And sometimes it'll pop up on the outside. Sometimes it goes through. So what remedy do uh, do you usually try to do for that? Uh, I usually just kind of have to basically let it go out and start over. A lot of times that's the case. I, I will tell you the cause for that that I've noticed because that was a problem I had when I was a novice cigar smoker quite a bit that I haven't had in a very long time. And I don't know so much that that's a construction issue as it is a lighting issue. Especially if you're just getting into cigars and so you're using the free matches that you get from the, from the shop and instead of investing, you haven't invested in a good lighter yet, is if you take the, the match and you hold it right at the foot of the cigar and you're just drawing in really heavily, then all your lighting is the middle of the cigar. And so that's what causes that a lot of times. So I think... So not lighting it all the way and smoking it too quick. Exactly. So if you're because you want to make sure when you're lighting the cigar that you're actually lighting the wrapper. Because if you're right. taking a single match head and holding it right at the foot of the cigar, you're never gonna cover the whole foot of that cigar and get and get a consistent light on it. And something we haven't talked about in this podcast that I want to talk about is I think stove piping a lot of times is a result of ashing too often of wanting to tap the ash off your cigar and constantly keep red showing. I usually like to keep, you know, a three-eighths to a half inch of ash on the end of my cigar. I just feel like I get a fuller favor- flavor. I feel like it keeps heat on the end. Yeah, ideally, you never really want to see the cherry on the end. You pretty much always want to have just a little bit of ash on there to keep it from burning too hot. Yeah, I think, and I think that also will contribute it. So if you do find yourself getting into... A lot of stove piping or even uneven burns. Try to try to lengthen the amount of ash you lay on a cigar. A good premium cigar, you should be able to ash up to an inch pretty easily. Yeah, and you'll see that a lot of times when you go into shops, right? When they're doing events and things, they'll do the long ash contest because that's supposedly a 
sign of a well-constructed cigar, but I'd say no matter what cigar you're smoking, it's a, it's a great way to just kind of uh, show your own, kind of test your own discipline about just making sure that you're handling the cigar well, that you're not dropping it, banging it on the ashtray, you know, that sort of thing. Now, also, the opposite of that is what if your cigar is burning too hot? What if every time you draw it, it seems like... And this is one of the reasons I don't enjoy box press as much. Because I always feel like my box press burns too hot. What am I doing wrong? I don't... That may be more your taste than the cigar itself. Just because the looser the the roll, the looser the construction, the hotter it's going to burn inherently. And yeah, as we've the, talked before, the, the box press are... are just by design rolled a lot looser. Yeah, you're going to get a lot more air through it. In fact, my dad actually has the exact same problem. And uh, I had to give him the revelation that a lot of times um, when it's burning too hot, you just got to slow down. I mean, a lot of the problems that we're talking about are just smoking too quick or trying too quick. But um, whether it's box press or not, if uh, if you just kind of slow down and relax a little bit, like I said, just enjoy it, a lot of times that'll take care of it. Now, sometimes if you've got one rolled loose enough, you just it's always going to burn a little bit hot, and that's a personal preference issue. But in general, if it seems like it's getting too hot or if it's burning too uneven, just got to slow down and relax and enjoy it and smell the roses. <laughs> yeah, and of course... Now we're getting kind of into choosing the smoke for the evening. And choosing your smoke, when we talk about I don't usually choose a box press just because I don't like that hot smoke. Um, I love an A. I love the A size, the longer cigars. Mm -hmm. I love that good, cool, almost churchwarden type smoke where it's just such a cool smoke coming down. I, I really enjoy that, but... What do you do when you've got a cigar that's just too light, that just doesn't seem to be giving you flavors that you would expect? Well, sometimes uh, that's just a matter of personal preference, and there's really just not anything you can do about it. I mean, uh, Put it c- down and walk away. Yeah, cigars are like wine and women. Uh, not everyone's going to be good for you. When you. Well, can you drink anything that will help that? Can you cleanse your palate? Um, I know... When they're rolling cigars in the factory, the guy that's actually doing the tasting that smokes, you know, an inch off of every cigar that comes out of a bundle, they use an unsweet tea to cleanse their palate. Hmm. Have Have you ever tried to cleanse your palate during a cigar and see if that helps? I haven't done that for one cigar itself, but there have been, I try to give, uh, just like wine and whiskey and women, I try to give every cigar a couple of chances. So uh, I will wait a day or two and try to come back maybe i smoked it at night and it's been a long day and i've had a heavy meal so maybe i'll try it the next day when i haven't had as much to eat and and just see if it tastes different like that but uh, i don't have a palate cleanse that i usually use in between i i typically if i'm other than guinness yeah i I mean i can i can try and you know walk away from a cigar for 15 minutes or so let it burn itself out and then try again because sometimes it could be that you're getting a that your light or your burn is uneven or something like that, that you can't see, but that's what you're tasting. So, so it is possible to walk away from it, relight it. If you know, the, the community is a little divided on whether you relight a cigar that goes out or not, but I'm, I don't have a problem with it. Yeah. Um, this cheroot I'm smoking, I don't think I could relight it. Well, it's partial, partially made of asbestos if, as a <laughs> so, it's something ma- it's, it's made out of clint eastwood's ashes and he's still alive so let that sink in <laughs> well and you can hear that's me pounding the cigar against the microphone hey, and man, I think it, dub- I it doubles it. as a wiffle ball bat i'm not seeing any <laughs> negatives here so you're talking about you know how you're gonna 
choose the cigar for the evening, you know, and, and what kind of goes into that. One of the things that doesn't have to go into that decision is price. One of the everything every week we discuss a cigar under eight dollars. Uh, what do we have this week? So this week's cigar under eight dollars is one we actually mentioned in a previous podcast with Bo. It's one of my favorite bad cigars, and the term bad is used very loosely here. And I'll, it's just a different cigar. It shouldn't be considered bad, but it's a baccarat, baccarat, baccarat. Ever choose your pronunciation. Like yes, choose. <laughs> depending on the crowd you're with. For me, it's a Baccarat. Casino Vintage Selection. Now, this is a Honduran Puro. It's made in Honduras. The filler, the binder, the wrapper, all Honduran. And Honduras, not really my favorite place to get a cigar, but this cigar I particularly enjoy. They've got a lot of really good tobaccos that have been coming to Honduras, especially lately. Well, and this one, it's a 48 ring gauge. It's 7 inches long, and it's $4.20. Can't be that. No, not at all. And even if it doesn't fit your flavor profile, it's something that I think everyone should have that type of cigar in their humidor at all times, like we've discussed before, just for sharing with friends or if you're doing something where you're not really going to be able to enjoy the cigar fully, but it's something that brings something to the party, like mowing the lawn or whatever. Zombie apocalypse breaks out, you need one on the way? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, the good thing about this cheroot is I could kill a zombie with it. <laughs> but at least Mad Max, you could just have the stovepipe out of the roof of the car so that the <laughs> smoke gets drawn up. Yeah, should the smoke sting my eyes? Am I doing this right? Shane, it'll put some hair on your chest, man. Don't worry. Uh, it's putting hair all over. I gutted a man in Korea that whined less than you. <laughs> He's got hot hair on his eyeballs. <laughs> yeah. Shave this green froth off my tongue. <laughs> well, Bo, as always, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show with us. Shane, uh, before we leave everybody for next week, how can uh, how can people get a hold of us? So the best way to get a hold of us is by good old email. It lets you express yourself in full, and it is info at thecigarcast.com. You can also reach us on Facebook, facebook.com slash thecigarcast, and on Twitter and Instagram at thecigarcast. We're pretty easy to get a hold of. We would love to hear from you. I'd love to hear some future show topics. Absolutely. If there's anything that, if there are questions for future guests that you want us to, or, or future guest suggestions, if there's questions about cigar etiquette or about the process, uh, love to hear your suggestions and your questions. Please remember to spay or neuter your pets. <laughs> Thank you, Bo Barker.